Today on The Matt Wall Show, leftism is a religion of self-loathing. That's what it is. And this has been made, I think, very clear this week, especially as white people across the country have gone out of their way to announce and advertise their white guilt. But the self-loathing issue goes way beyond race. We'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including uh, Attorney General Barr revealing Antifa's role in the riots. And in our daily cancellation, we will cancel a maniac who went on CNN to announce that white children, quote, don't deserve innocence. And so he believes that uh, white parents should intentionally rob their children's innocence as a, as a way, as a show of racial solidarity. So we're going to talk about all of that coming up. But uh, starting here, one of the things we have seen this week and uh, for the past many years and decades, really, is that leftism is a religion and specifically a religion of self-loathing. Now, this may seem counterintuitive at first because leftism would appear to be a religion of narcissism, religion of self-worship, but really the two things, narcissism, narcissism and self-loathing, actually are not mutually exclusive at all. They go hand in hand. I would say, on the contrary, they necessarily go hand in hand, in fact. Uh, the definition of narcissism, according to dictionary.com anyway, is selfishness involving a sense of entitlement, a lack of empathy, and a need for admiration as characterizing a personality type. Well, who does that sound like to you? That is leftism to a T, of course. And there's nothing about it that precludes self-loathing. You know, narcissistic people are quite often very self-loathing, and their obsession with hating themselves and finding affirmation and assuaging their sense of guilt, trying to feel better about themselves, trying to get other people to like them, trying to get other people to recognize their virtue and how great they are, um, that is all narcissism. Now, if you don't believe me that leftism is a religion of self-loathing, then let's just review a few of the incidents from this past week or two. Uh, some of these we've talked about, played some of these clips already individually on the show, but I want to recall them again, and then we're going to get to the uh, kind of like the grand finale of white guilt and white and, and white self-loathing. So you want to stick around for that. But um, what we've seen, you know, aside from the rooting and uh, the rioting and the looting and the anarchy and chaos and everything are many videos of white people debasing themselves, humiliating themselves in this desperate attempt to prove that they are not racist. And, and I should say a futile attempt, because it doesn't matter. They're still going to be seen as, as racist. That's part of the racial narrative. Uh, the ideology of leftism is that white people are racist no matter what. We're racist inherently. And in fact, if you say you aren't racist, that's, more, that's just more proof that you are. So it's not going to work, but this is what they're doing. Um, let's um, play a couple of these again. We played this on Tuesday. This is a group of white folks literally kneeling before a group of black people and apologizing for racism. We know he's sitting God and he no longer can be here. In honor of his legacy, we're not rioting, God. We're not shaming anybody, God. We're just humbling ourselves before you. Yes, Lord. You brought the thunder and rain today, God, because Satan takes the L today. Father, in Jesus' name, you get the victory. Father, we ask for forgiveness from our black brothers and sisters for years and years of racism. Nothing creepy about that at all. And then we played this yesterday. This is uh, some white people on their knees, in some cases, and or sitting down, hands in the air, repeating every word that a Black Lives Matter activist tells them to repeat about racism, anti-blackness, or violence. About racism, anti-blackness, or violence. 
I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. I will use my voice in the most uplifting way possible. And do everything in my power to educate my community. I will love my black neighbors the same as my white ones. And can I just say one other thing when you watch these videos, especially the first one of the white people kneeling, you know, if, if I would be very uncomfortable, uh, not just as the person kneeling, or I just, I would, I simply wouldn't do that. But if somebody was kneeling to me, th doesn't that make you really uncomfortable? Isn't that super awkward? And I say that as a theocratic fascist. Now, I say that as somebody under my regime, everybody will kneel before me. But what I'm saying is, because of my incredible humility, I will be very uncomfortable with it. I'm going to require it at gunpoint. If you don't, you'll be killed. But it, it, it will hurt me more than it hurts you, is what I'm trying to say. All right. Um, and uh, now here, this is just very sad and infuriating. But here's a, and I've got more about this in this vein during the daily cancellation. But here's a white parent who forced their child to kneel and hold a sign confessing her white privilege. This is a, the picture um, and that's child abuse right there. Imagine indoctrinating your, your, your own, what, four or five-year-old child into feeling guilty about their race. How sick and perverted do you have to be? But like I said, we have more about that in the daily, daily cancellation. And then there's this video. Maybe you've seen it. It went pretty viral. And it shows a guy telling a woman to kneel and apologize to him for her white privilege. There's a lot more to this which we'll play in a second, but here's here's the video that's going viral all over the place. Excuse me. Hey, excuse me. I work for Black Lives Matter. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I work for Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry that I scared you. But since I work for that company, my CEO has told me to come out today and to bring you on your knees because you have white privilege. So if they see that a white person is getting on their knees, that shows solidarity for the situation the situation and could you just please apologize for you know for your white privilege just apologize i am i'm trying to think of the right words to say because that's a that's a big thing to say it's it's big it comes from it's so it's large in this country i'm incredibly incredibly sorry that you know with this country we have that president donald duck that clown in office you know he's brought a lot of bigotry and you're not a part of it right no God, no and so, you know, Thank just you for letting you have a moment. okay. You have a great day. Okay, now that looks pretty bad, doesn't it? Trust me, it gets a whole lot worse. And uh, I'll I will play the rest of that video for you in just a second. But before we do, you know, RockAuto.com, great sponsors, great friends of this show, uh, and uh, we really appreciate them. Not just as a sponsor of the show, but as a great company. Because if you're looking for uh, auto parts, if you're looking to, you know, if you have something on your car that needs to be fixed, no reason to go into the auto parts store. Uh, just go to rockauto.com. It's so much easier. They're always offering the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what they think they can get out of you. So this is not, you know, a lot of times when it comes to car stuff, you have to worry about that. But you don't have to worry about that with rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business. Um, honest business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low 
and they're the same no matter who you are, a professional or do-it-yourselfer, they're going to offer you the lowest price they possibly can. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Listen, I've been on rockauto.com many times. If it's easy for me to navigate, then it will be a breeze for you, okay? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So that they know that uh, we sent you. All right. Now, just played you the clip. That clip is actually from a 45-minute video, a live stream done by a, a YouTuber who goes by the name of Smooth Sanchez. And he's actually not black, but he's, he's, he's Hispanic. Um, he goes around New York City for 45 minutes during the, the protests and the rioting. And he tells a whole bunch of white people, not just that woman, to kneel on command. And most of them, the vast majority, do exactly what he says immediately and without question. He goes up and says kneel and they get on their knees. Now, the guy, Smooth Sanchez, I don't know if that's his Christian name or not, but uh, he's obviously trolling. Okay, he's not, this is not him being sincere. So I don't think he's the bad guy here. I think actually he's exposing these pitiful, self-loathing masochists. And in that way, he's performing a community service. But um, so let me, I, I, I pulled a few more clips from his video that I want to play for you. And there's a lot more where this came from. But uh, here's just, here's just a, a taste. And this is probably all you could possibly stomach. Excuse me, could you take a knee for George Foreman, the guy who just died recently to police brutality? I'm with Black Lives Matter. And I just want you to take a knee like Colin Kaepernick, please. I work with that foundation. Could you just take a knee for me right quick? Like this, like just, yeah, it's good. Just take the, there we go. Excuse me. Wait, are you Joaquin Phoenix? No, okay. Um, I work for Black Lives Matter and it would be an honor if you were to please take a knee for the man that just died the, the, this past week. I'll do it, but it's gonna be really painful because I just had knee surgery. So, I, you know, I, I just had a, I just had, I just. But I will do it for the, for the cause. Okay. Oh. Okay. That's good. And so you respect the Black Lives Matter movement. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Can I get off my knee now? It really hurts. Okay. All right. You, you, you could, you could. And I would just like it if you get on your knees for, to show your, show that you're not, you're against your white privilege because you guys are privileged. And um, just please apologize for, you know, because when you take a knee, it not only represents what Colin Kaepernick did. It deeper represents um, what that officer did to that poor man. What he did to George Foreman is, is, is not okay. And I think you could agree with this. Absolutely, yes. So could you please apologize for your white privilege? Right. All we can say is that we support the movements that are going on, the nonviolent ones, and we, you know, we partook in a peaceful protest yesterday. But you know, you guys should be guilty because it was a white man. So you guys, are, do you feel guilty? You, um, yeah, we are. White in part, allies. you're you're an accessory we're to. White allies, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think that this is a very important video in, in uh, from an academic sense. I think anthropologists of the future are going to want to watch that video to try to understand what happened to American society. 
Uh, I mean, that video is not going to answer a lot of questions. It's going to raise a lot of questions, but it, it will be an important piece of the puzzle, I think. And those women at the end there, did, did they really just, did I hear that right? They, they, they agreed that they are accessories to the murder of George Floyd because they're white. They agreed, they agreed with that statement. And notice, of course, he repeatedly says George Foreman instead of George Floyd. And many of the white people don't even correct him because they're afraid of being called racist. And the other guy who just had knee surgery and, and, and he kneels on the concrete and he's in pain and he does it anyway because he doesn't want to say no to the guy. Now, of course, the correct response when someone runs up to you and tells you to kneel for them is two words. And the first word starts with F and the second word starts with O. Or maybe the second word could start with Y. You know, either one of those alternatives will work or something in that vein. I mean, that, that is the correct response when someone says kneel on the ground. Um, but leftism, again, is a religion that teaches people, white people, to hate themselves, to be ashamed of themselves, when in reality, of course, nobody should hate themselves for their race. Nobody has any guilt just because of their race. This should not need to be said. This should not be controversial. Nobody owes anybody else an apology just based on their race. Nobody. Nobody is responsible for oppression and persecution or any bad thing at all just because of their race. Again, shouldn't need to be said, but it does. It very much does. And let's go further and speak specifically here about, about you know, white people and the white race. Um, you know, no individual white person is responsible for whatever sins his ancestors committed nor does he owe an apology for them, nor can he apologize for them. An apology for something you didn't do is uh, not only pitiful and pathetic, but it's completely pointless It's it's and toothless. You can't apologize. You, you, what does that mean? I, I'm going to apologize for something that someone did 300 years ago? Okay. What does that mean? Um, and furthermore, whatever sins a white person's ancestors may have committed, slavery, murder, rape, oppression, theft of land, um, and whatever it is, and yes, it's likely that every white person has ancestors who did that sort of thing, but none of those sins are unique to the ancestors of white people. All of those things, all of them were commonplace all over the world and still are. So when I say that it's almost certain that every white person has ancestors who did that, that's just because it's almost certain that every person in the world has ancestors who did that stuff. The only difference being that slavery is abolished in the West now while it's still practiced in other parts of the world. But going back in history, slavery was institutional everywhere for thousands of years. Violence and brutality. These were the way things worked everywhere. If you wanted land anywhere, you, you took it. And if you wanted to keep your land anywhere, you had to defend it. The world was a brutal place for a long time. It is only slightly less brutal now. And that also depends on where you live. So the idea that white people are solely or uniquely responsible for any of this stuff is nonsense.
Um, but I talk about leftism being a religion of self-loathing. Um, and, and you might say, well, it's not because what if you're not white? Then you're not being told to hate yourself. Well, the problem is that the self-loathing doesn't just apply to white people. It goes way beyond race. Okay, this is an issue that extends way beyond race. And we'll talk about how far it extends in just a second. Uh, but first, a word from uh, some relatively new sponsors on the show who we really appreciate. Uh, and that would be Bambi. You know, having a good HR department, I think, is crucially important at all times, especially now with all the challenges in the world. When running a business, you know, HR problems can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations is very complicated. There are a lot of uh, landmines that you're walking over there. And HR manager salaries are not cheap either. An average salary is $70,000 a year for HR. Uh, Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager. You can craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change your HR from the biggest liability you have, one of your big expenses, to your biggest strength. Uh, and on top of that, it's very affordable. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, real-time chat. I mean, this is someone who works for you month-to-month. Uh, -month, no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. There's no reason not to do this. I think you can't afford uh, to not do it. Go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot -E com slash Walsh. Okay, so the religion of self-loathing goes way beyond uh, race. You know, leftism, yes, teaches white people to hate their race. It also teaches men and boys to hate their sex. Uh, hate it so much that they literally mutilate themselves in a vain attempt to change it. It teaches women to hate their femininity, to hate it so much that in some cases they go out of their way to be boorish and crass so as to be more like men, or at least more like the cartoonish idea of men that feminists have in their heads. It teaches Americans to hate their country, it teaches free people to hate their freedom. It teaches, teaches independent people to hate their independence. The things that are most natural and, and good and healthy in you and about you, the things that are most fundamental, most elemental, most unchangeable, those are the very things you are taught to hate. Those are the things that you are taught to try and change, even though you can't. Meanwhile, the things you should hate about yourself, the things that you can and should change, you know, say your crappy personality, your vanity, your selfishness, your sense of entitlement, your unhealthy lifestyle, um, those kinds of personality defects, those are the very things you are told to accept and love. Those are the things you're told you cannot change. Immutable characteristics. So a man should hate his masculinity and seek to become a woman to change it. But, for example, an obese person should love their obesity and accept that it can never be changed. This is the, the dichotomy that you get from leftism. And that is why it is a contemptible, toxic, noxious poison. By the way, before we get to headlines, one other point about this uh, that I was thinking about. When you watch that video of the uh, white people falling to their knees, and there's another example of this, too, that I, you know, I, I, I wasn't getting very much into on the show because I don't know how real it is. But trending on social media this morning was the, the hashtag um, bald for BLM. And, I, and the idea is that you're supposed to shave your head 
white people are supposed to shave their heads in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, which makes no sense, of course. Now, I am 99.9999% sure that this started as a, like a 4chan hoax, where they're trying to get dumb white people to do this to embarrass themselves. Uh, but it did manage to trend. I'm not sure how many people actually did it for real. There were a lot of posts of especially white women showing off their bald heads. I think a lot of that was fake. I mean, it was people trying to get others to do it, which I really appreciate. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, the hoax, I really appreciate. I think it's great. Um, I'm not sure how many people really did it sincerely, although based on that video we played, it, it, does, it wouldn't surprise me at all if a lot of people did it. And the, po- the point is, or at least another point, you know, when you see that video, you see all this. Uh, for, for these white liberals, the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to them is that some people think they're racist. That for them, they would, they would take anything over that. I mean, they would prefer for you to see them in any other way than that. If they had to choose between one person thinking they're racist and everybody in the world thinking that they're serial killing cannibals, they would take the latter in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, they would prefer for everyone in the world to think that they're serial killers and cannibals than for one thing, person to think they're racist. And in fact, um, if, if they could get you to believe that they were racially woke cannibals who only killed and ate white people, then they might actually prefer that. They might see that as a net positive. They might actually try to cultivate that brand. Who knows? Um, but the point is, for them, it's the worst thing in the world to be thought of that way, even for a ridiculous reason. And that's why they so often, in an argument with you, will throw the word racist at you. Rather than presenting an argument, they'll just say, oh, you're racist. And they think it's a trump card. They think that will shut you down because for them, if it was them, it would shut them down. They will do anything to avoid being called that. And so they think other people operate that way. So they think you're, you're presenting an argument. They have, they, they have nothing to say in response to it. So instead they say, you're racist. And what they expect you to do is say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not racist. Please, please stop. Don't call me that. I mean, whatever you want, whatever you want. You're right. You're right. Just That's how they expect you to respond because it's exactly how they would respond. And then when you don't, that's when they get very flabbergasted. They, they don't understand. Hold on a second. How is this not working? What they don't understand is that for a lot of us, you have so misused and misapplied and abused this term that it doesn't mean anything anymore. When you call somebody racist, it could be that they're actually racist. I mean, there are racist people out there. But you know, 90% of the time, with the way that it's used, you're, you're talking about someone who's not racist at all. They just have an opinion you don't like. And so for a lot of us, for a lot of us normal people, we just don't care anymore. Whatever label you want to throw, sexist, racist, homophobic, transphobic, whatever, it doesn't matter. The label has no meaning at all anymore. It has no effect. This is a weapon that you wield that is only effective against you. It's like, it's like Superman trying to use kryptonite on somebody else. Sorry, it doesn't work. You're going to need something else. Because uh, that, that, that's a weapon that only, that weapon gets you, not us. Um, and that's your own fault. You know, if, if you hadn't misused the word racist so much, then uh, you know, it, it, would, it would have some meaning still. 
And when you called someone racist, there would be some real power to that charge. But uh, there just isn't anymore. Let's go to news headlines. Number one, Joe Biden was talking to Don Cheadle for some reason, and that's when he shared his true thoughts about the American people. Listen. We'll have to address these issues straight on. And the words the president says matter. So when a president stands up and divides people all the time, you're going to get the worst of us to come out, the worst in us all to come out. This president constantly talks about equality without, without lecturing, talks about and has administration that looks like the country and the rest, it changes attitudes. And it's about the attitude of the country. Do we want our kids, do we, do we really think this is as good as we can be as a nation? I don't think the vast majority of people think that. There are probably anywhere from 10 to 15% of the people out there that are just not very good people. But that's not who we are. The vast majority of the people are decent. We have to appeal to that and we have to unite people, bring them together. Bring them together. 10 to 15% are not very good people. Now, the thing is, he's right, of course. Probably way more than 15% aren't very good people. Uh, the idea that everyone in the country is fundamentally decent and good is, is silly, of course, and childish and clearly not the case. But I think, uh, now I think Biden is singling out the wrong 15%. Also, politically, of course, this is a boneheaded thing to say. There's just never a time when it's a good idea for a politician to say that any percentage of Americans aren't good or decent. There's no, there's no winning there when you say that, uh, even if it's clearly true. And by the way, if we're, if we're listing groups of people who aren't good and decent, we should obviously start with politicians, Joe Biden included. We should start there, and then, and then we can branch out from there. Number two, foxnews.com reports, Several members of the Minneapolis City Council this week have expressed support for radical changes to how the city handles law enforcement, including a move to dismantle the police department and replace it with a transformative new model for public safety. And so we're hearing about this dismantling the police, um, defunding the police. According to the Daily Wire, celebrities like Megan Rapinoe, uh, John Legend, Lizzo have signed a letter demanding that police departments be defunded. And I think that's very interesting because you've got these wealthy celebrities who live in gated communities and got personal security. And so they're good to go. They're surrounded by armed security all the time. They've got the gated community. They've got the gate around their house, the armed guards and everything. And so they're fine. What they're saying now is, yeah, get rid of the police department for these neighborhoods and, and, and these, these people who are in dangerous neighborhoods. They, they don't need it. We can get rid of it for them. They'll be fine. Very, very courageous, right? Very courageous perspective from these people. Number three, Tony Dungy's former NFL head coach, Super Bowl winner, NFL analyst now, was on a sports talk show this morning, and he was asked about the Drew Brees situation. Drew Brees, like we discussed yesterday, came out and said that people should not disrespect the flag, that a bunch of insane crybabies freaked out about it, and Drew Brees uh, apologized to them. Speaking of self-flagellating white people, Breeze basically took a knee, uh, crawled on his hands and feet and said, please forgive me, I'm not racist. Anyway, here's Tony Dungy's take on this. Who has to have those conversations, you think, Tony? Who, who, who? We all have to have them. We, and we have to have Drew Breeze saying what he said. I don't, I don't downgrade Drew for that, okay? That's what he said. He may not totally understand. It may have been uh, not exactly the way he wanted to express it, but he can't be afraid to say that. And we can't be afraid to say, okay, Drew, I don't agree with you, but let's talk about this and let's let's 
let's sit down and talk about it. We can't just say anytime something happens that we don't agree with, hey, I'm done with that and I'm done with this person. And that doesn't make sense. Uh, we, we have to be better than that. This battle is not going to be won by demonstrating and throwing bricks through windows. Uh, it's not going to be won by the, the government saying, hey, we're going to bring out these weapons and dominate the streets again. That is not going to fix anything. The only notable thing about that, about what D- Tony Dungy said there, is that it is notable. It's, it's notable that something like that is notable these days. Because what he's saying is, in reality, basic common sense, obviously correct, obviously the most sensible and ethical and intelligent way of approaching this. He's saying, hey, if, if we have a difference of opinion, let's talk about it. If somebody expresses an opinion about the flag or a protest, rather than crying and freaking out and panicking, why not talk to them and say, why do you feel that way? Let's have a discussion. And oh, by the way, don't throw bricks in people's windows. That was Tony Dungy's message. And it becomes this, this headline thing and it goes viral. It's all over the place because it's so rare to hear, especially on national TV, from a prominent voice to hear basic common sense. Although from Tony Dungy, it's not rare. He's a really common sense guy. Uh, big Tony Dungy fan. Um, I think everybody is. Tony Dungy is one of the few. I was asking this the other day. Can you name like, I don't know, five Americans who everybody agrees is respectable and decent and admirable? I, you know, I, I think in times past, almost all Americans could agree on a whole host of people who they consider to be sort of admirable uh, figures. But these days, things are so political and uh, ideologically divided, everything becomes political, that there's almost nobody left who everybody admires. I think Tony Dungy is one of them. Who else? Is there anybody else? Is it just Tony Dungy? There's got to be a few others, right? Alex Trebek? He's not even American. He's Canadian, right? We'll adopt him for our own. I think they shoot the show in America, so we'll, we'll call him American. Um, so Alex Trebek, Tony Dungy. Is that it? I think that's it. They're the, they're the only two left. Now, um, uh, four from the Daily Wire. Again, Attorney General William Barr said on Thursday that federal law enforcement officials have evidence that Antifa and other extremist groups have been involved in instigating and participating in acts of violence that have rocked the nation for days as riots have broken out following the death of George Floyd. Uh, I, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more about, there's a lot more to come out about this, I think. And what I really want to know are the Democrats and high-profile people who have been, you know, personally involved in communicating with Antifa and coordinating with them. I guarantee there's some of that stuff going on. And this is really important, and we need to know about it. Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization. There's no question about that. But as I've been saying all along, we cannot let this distract us from, we cannot solely scapegoat Antifa. I've got no problem with with criticizing Antifa and call them domestic terrorist organization, arrest everybody involved in it. If they are a domestic terrorist organization, then you have no right to be involved with them. You should all be arrested. I'm all I'm on board with that. But we, we cannot allow, here's what we really can't allow. We can't allow Black Lives Matter as an organization to scapegoat Antifa. Because Black Lives Matter and Antifa are two, two sides of the same coin. And I've been talking about this all week. 
There are even a lot of conservatives who seem to want to exonerate Black Lives Matter and make this all about Antifa. We cannot do that. Black Lives Matter is a, an extremist organization, has a, has a lengthy history of violence. And so this is also about them. Now we're going to go to our daily cancellation. Before we do, you know, how, where do you even begin when you talk about all the things that are happening this year? Uh, it's a lot to stay on top of and stay educated on because the left-wing media is just constantly pushing their agenda without giving you the real story. That's why we here at Daily Wire, bring, uh, we like to skip the mainstream narrative to bring you both sides of the story. So right now, go over to dailywire.com slash subscribe, get a Daily Wire membership for 15% off using coupon code Walsh. And if you join us as an all-access member, you'll get two glorious Leftist Tears Tumblers, because you deserve the truth, and CNN isn't going to give that to you anytime soon. All right, now for the daily cancellation. Today is a nice bookend of our conversation to start the show. Uh, We're going to cancel Tim Wise. Now, Tim Wise calls himself an anti-racism educator, so you know this is going to be good. And he was on CNN, I think this was yesterday, and here's what Tim Wise had to say. I think the, the important thing for white parents to keep in the front of our mind is that if black children in this country are not allowed innocence and childhood without fear of being killed by police or marginalized in some other way, then our children don't deserve innocence. If Tamir Rice can be shot dead in a public park playing with a toy gun, something white children do all over this country every day without the same fear of being shot, if Tamir Rice can be killed, then white children need to be told at least at the same age. If they can't be innocent, we don't get to be innocent. And if we would keep that in the front of our minds, then perhaps we would be able to hear what black and brown folks are telling us every day and have been for many years. Okay. I have a migraine. I was a sudden onset migraine. Um, now, first of all, as this anti-racism educator tells parents to be racist against their own kids, a few points I think need to be made here. Number one, white children play with toy guns and don't get shot by cops. That's true. So do black children. All right. Tamir Rice was a horrendous and tragic situation. And the reason we all know about it and know his name and remember it years later is that it was such a thankfully rare, horrific event. So this idea that only white children can play with toys without getting killed by the cops is absurd. Millions of white and black children play with toys uh, and are perfectly safe in doing so. Number two, preserving, preserving innocence all right, is, is something that parents and communities have to do. Primarily parents, but communities also can help. If a black child in the inner city has been robbed of his innocence, it's not because of the police. It's not because of the systemic racism. It's not because of the this, this system at all. It's because his parents have failed him and his community has failed him has failed to preserve that innocence. And it is true, in fact, that many black children in the inner city have had their innocence robbed. Absolutely. But um, the thing is, that probably wouldn't have happened if they had two married parents in the home. The fatherless rate in the inner city is like 80%, if not more. So if they had two married parents in the home, especially a father present and determined to preserve their innocence, and a community that was focused on protecting its children, um, then this wouldn't wouldn't have happened. Many communities in the inner city do not have that focus. And that, again, is not the fault of the cops. Speaking of scapegoats, it's very easy to scapegoat the cops. It's easy to scapegoat 
scapegoat the government. And there's plenty of legitimate criticism to be levied against those groups. But at the end of the day, okay, um, when you go to the inner city, you're going to find vast majority of kids do not have a stable home life. They don't even have a dad in the home. And then you, know, you talk about their innocence, and then them not having innocence. You're going to blame it on the police? Now, um, and, and, and also, this problem of children you know, having their innocence robbed is an enormous problem. It's widespread. I talk about it all the time. It, it happens everywhere. It happens in the suburbs. It happens among white families and white neighborhoods all the time. Many white parents fail to provide their children with guidance and protection. And next thing you know, their, their eight-year-old son is on Pornhub looking at hardcore porn, right? In fact, in, in, with some suburban white families, they go out of their way to intentionally destroy their children's innocence. They take them to you know, drag, drag shows at the library. So this is a problem. This is a crisis-level problem that I have talked about many times across the entire country. And the robbing of innocence from children, you know, it can take different forms. It manifests itself in different ways in different communities. But it happens across the board, and it, but it goes back to the parents. It's the parents not doing their jobs. Now, and, and I say that if you are a parent dead set on preserving your child's innocence, it, that's a, still going to be a huge challenge because of the culture and the society we live in. But the first line of defense is you as parents. Now, um, number three, to emphasize, it is the job of the parents primarily to, to guard and preserve a child's innocence. Every child deserves innocence. Every child has a right to it. If you take that away from your child because other kids don't have it, that's no different than starving your child because other kids, you know, kids in Ethiopia are starving. Now, if you want to instill in your child a gratitude and appreciation for the food that he's provided uh, because other kids don't have food, that's a good thing. I tell my kids that all the time. Uh, you know, if kids are going to Aren't, aren't finishing the food on their, their plate. You tell them to be grateful for the fact that they have food, to finish their food, right? That's a good thing to tell kids. But you're not going to starve them because other kids are starving. That would be deranged, abusive, insane, criminal. And that's what Tim Wise is advocating. I don't think, I probably didn't need to go 10 minutes explaining why Tim Wise is wrong for saying that white Parents should intentionally rob their kids' innocence based on race. I mean, <laughs> we probably didn't need that lengthy explanation, but uh, I gave it to you anyway, because that's what I do here. I state the obvious. This whole show could be called Stating the Obvious, the Matt Wall Show. Maybe that is what it should be called. I don't know. Um, almost nothing that I say is, is, is uh, really that revolutionary, insightful, or impressive. Um, it's just that there are so many maniacs in the world today that we actually need to go over these very basic common sense things. So we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Hope you have a great weekend. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020.
If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm. 